This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of May 31st. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my partner, Jim Allen. What's up, buddy? Yeah, everything's good. Uh, busy week. Uh, first week of interleagues, always fun. <laughs> the first week of any baseball is always fun. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, well, it's a new kind of fun. There you, you know, go. It's like, it's, like, it's like you go to 31 Flavors, and you got your favorite flavor, and then all of a sudden they got a new one, and you're going, I don't want to try it. I like mine, but they don't have mine. So I'll try it. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> and that's what Interleague's like. It's like, oh, I like this too. All right, all right. I can go for that. I can go for that. Well... I specifically I enjoyed the first week of interleague, and we'll get to that and the reasons why. But first, I, I do want to say mask up and hunt, hunker down like I do every week. But this has been really sticking in my craw for a while, and I haven't been able to uh, comment on it. So I want to do it now. And, you know, we've had these states of emergency announced in mm-hmm. Japan. They extended them twice now. You know, the coronavirus situation is 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 bad. And at first, when they announced one of the states of emergency, I don't even remember which one it was anymore. I don't want to get into the, the details of that, but they they you know stop, they said fans in Tokyo and Osaka you can't come to the games, right? And then soon after, <laughs> without it's warning or reason, it. well, they decided, well, no, we can have fans at Tokyo Dome and and in Osaka. Uh, well, you know, why are we not having fans? And it, it just seemed to me because we heard about it last year about how things changed once they said they were going to delay the Olympics. And it just seems like someone is leveraging the passion of baseball fans to prove that the Olympics can go off without a major risk. And it might be fine. It might not be. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that taking a risk is worth it, especially with all the variants that are out there and could come to Japan as well. By the time we get to July, I don't know. It just seemed like it was really weird how that all played out. You know, we can't have fans. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, we can, because there was no medical or scientific reason why we were not supposed to be able to have fans. And there there was even less for why we were supposed to bring the fans back. So I, I, I just found it ridiculous. Yeah, well, certainly baseball has from from day one basically said we want all the fans we can in the park. Unless the government tells us not to, then we'll do what the government says. I swear, if the government said <laughs> tomorrow, I mean, all the owners who are saying we have to think about the health and we have to, and if the government tomorrow said full crowds, the, the teams would say hallelujah. Oh yeah, and and some people would go, and I I don't think it's bad that you go, but for me, you know, I'm a high risk person in that I, I'm one of the ethnicities that has been highly impacted and I'm older. I I just, I don't think it's worth it. So I wouldn't go, but Mm. uh, there are some people who, yeah, yeah. yeah, Some people really would go. You have to to manage your own risk. Exactly. Which is something it doesn't seem that uh, baseball here is really worried about or someone out there, I should say, but it just seems like it's all tied to the Olympics. And when the Olympics uh, talked about having fans or not having fans, uh, Baseball was either used. Baseball here was either used as a guinea pig or was a willing, (laughs) 
a willing blankety blank to 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 get this make this happen. But uh, I just wanted to mention that because it's it's okay. been really bothering me. But anyway, on this week's show, we've got a chat with Lotte Slugger Leonis Martin. We've got mini tracks. We're going to discuss the first week of interleague. We've got Ma Coon, Rock and Roki, and more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, and one other thing before we get into the show, I'm thrilled to announce that we'll be working with Pacific League Marketing to help get the word out about MPB in English through the league's official YouTube channel. It's the Persol-sponsored Pacific League TV channel on YouTube, and it's going to be really simple at first, but the formula for us is that we need subscribers, and the more subscribers we get, the more that P the PL will see that there's a market. And if we can reach the target number of subscribers and PLTV sees that, then we'll get more leeway to make more English content. And eventually, who knows, you might hear Jim and me in the booth doing games in the future, perhaps. I don't know. But it all starts with these baby steps that we have right now. So we definitely need you all to go out and at least subscribe, play as many of the videos as you can, as many times as you can. But like I said, the more <laughs> the more you watch, the more you get. So please watch. And it's just... Vote early and vote off. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Pacific League TV in English. Find it on YouTube. And first of all, subscribe and then watch some of the videos. The videos are going to be played in, in Japanese as normal. Uh, most of them, there are top plays of the month. That'll come up and uh, those will be in English. But everything else is going to be in Japanese as far as the, the the words that you hear, but the written words will be in English. And it's just a title and a description of what's going on in the video, but play them and play them often. All right. So uh, it was a week ago today, I was able to sit down with uh, Leonis Martin of Lotte, thanks to the assistance of many. Uh, it was a Zoom call mm-hmm. and there were, <laughs> there were some skipping around and sound issues at times. So I had to cut and splice a little bit, but uh, Leonis was very friendly. Um, he just turned 33 in March. He's a Cuban-born American. He was DFA'd by Cleveland, as you will hear. Uh, he's played for a number of teams, but I guess he was DFA'd before he came to Japan, and that was 2019. Mm-hmm. Played for the Texas Rangers, Seattle Mariners, Chicago Cubs, Detroit Tigers, and then Cleveland, and now he's here tearing it up in MPB. And, you know, Either he doesn't know or he doesn't want to give away the secrets, but this season he's leading NPB in home runs with 16, and uh, he's just having a really good year uh, and scored on a sacrifice fly to second base the other day. So that was I – mean, he's got some speed still. He's got a cannon in the arm. He's a really good player, so it's a really good pickup for Lotte. So let's hear from Leonis. So glad to meet you. Thank you very much for taking the time with us, Leonis. No, it's okay, man. Anytime. Okay. All right, so you you came to Japan and started playing in the middle of the season in 2019, but you did really well, uh, especially defensively, but you did really well. How were you able to do so well right away? Oh, man, it's like there is something that's kind of hard to explain because by the transition to from the MLB to here to the Japanese baseball, I don't know. Bro, I still can't believe like that I how like good and quick I just to the Japanese base. It's completely different thing from Billy. And um, 
to the minor league, just like hitting of the BP guys. So just like jumping the field, just like that. So I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I still can't believe because sometimes like for people take take a while to adjust to the Japanese baseball, the pitches, then everything, the system, and then things get you know. That was like quick transition for me. Yeah, a lot of players seem to have trouble with the timing, getting their timing against Japanese pitchers. And yeah. it seems like you were able to do that. And you said you, you, you faced a lot of batting practice pitchers uh, and, and everything like that. But you, you were productive in the games, too. And that's not yeah. batting practice. How? That's like, I got surprised, too, because I, I got the effect by the Indians. And then I went home, just practice a little bit because, like, I didn't expect to play. I was like, I talked to my family. I said, I don't want to play no more this year. So I just want to relax. And then my agent, like, seen an opportunity to play here in Japan. So came up and said, OK, let's do it. And then after the trip, being like being at home for three weeks, like, no, like, no practicing every day, no doing baseball activity, like, every day. And came here for, I didn't, like, before I start playing, I spent like, spent like almost two weeks practicing, practicing, and adjust to the time. So it feels like it's a long time, like to just jump in the field, just like that. And then I'm still doing good. So I got surprised. <laughs> and then, yeah. Well, that's good. It that's... was like, yeah, it was like it was a long time. It was like long period, like when I played last game. From the Indians, and when they start playing again here in Japan. All right. Well, you're doing well, especially like I said, the, the if you can play defense, uh, defense is not a problem. That's you can be able to play that anywhere. So, and you've been good on the defensive side too. So, now this year, this season, you guys had uh, a bad start, 0 and 5. But I don't think many people will remember that now. But yeah, wh why did you guys have such a bad start, in your opinion? like the best team in the league early in the year and then we are like most of the team is the young guys so like they start getting to know the people getting to know the league you know put a little pressure on it and this it was a little a little a little rough in the beginning but after that i just move forward and getting getting used to it to the lead and i think we're doing pretty good right now I agree. Yeah, I agree. How do you compare the Marines to the other two teams that are in the top part of the standings right now? And that's the SoftBank Hawks and the Rakuten Eagles. Um, we had a great team. You know, we had a great team. But I think like the, the difference between us and between the Hawks is the like we got a, a lot of like young guys in the lineup, young guys in the bullpen. And then they they all are veterans, man. They got like so much experience. They know like handy situation when they they don't doing good. When you know that's that that's mean a lot in baseball. Mm. You know the experience. So that's one of the things I the young guys dealing with right now because they don't probably it take a little while to get 
feel struggle or anything like that, like put pressure on it. You know, they want to show the coaches that like, they can play in this level. You know, it's a little different from the from the veteran guys. And the same thing with the with the Lions. The Lions, they got a lot of veteran guys. They know how to deal with the situations. When it's no good, when it's good. Yeah, that's important. I know that um, the Lions uh, also have some young players who are being very productive, so that's yes, right. <laughs> that helps. Um, now, I look at the Marines, and your team doesn't have that one ace pitcher who's like lights-out guy, but you have a lot of good pitchers. Um, yes. How important is it to have an ace pitcher in the regular season? Sometimes it's, it's a little rough to score runs, and then we're gonna feel back up with the, with the, with the pitchers. And then you know, bullpen started pitches. And then I think we had like two of the best starting uh, for us. They both they hurt. They they got a Tommy on Tanishi. Tanishi, and, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and Nishino. Nishino, okay. They both they both hurt. So we need those guys, man. Like those those two guys are really important for us. So, and then we lost more the the opening day pitcher for a little while to uh, Ichikawa. So we had like three like three young guys starting, you know. But I think I think they they help the team, bro. Like. We got a lefty, Suzuki, right? Very good. And then, it was hard, bro. Like, I'm telling you, like, especially early in the year when then you coming for like serious experience and just, you feel like you got so much pressure on your hands and you know, like, it's a little hard. It's, it's a little different when you come to like, the team is in, in a good position then when you need to win, you know, because like here in Japan is a little different than America. You need we need to win every single game. They don't care if we play 140 games, it's a process they don't they don't get that. Mm-hmm. Win, win and win no matter what. But at the same time, yeah, we're dealing with the for for us like they they will hurt with Tommy Young, they're gonna be out for a while. Right, right. So, um, from for me, I, like I said, you, you don't have the one ace, but I think you have really good depth throughout the rotation. So, uh, I don't think it's going to matter until the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, like, it's a long way to go, man. And then, you know, a lot of up and downs. But like you say, like, I think we're going to get it together. We're going we're gonna to get the... You know the pitches. Uh, we need to help them a little more with the offense too. All right. Now, what what adjustments have you been making throughout this time? So you started in 2019 and you had some success. Um, you played last year during the pandemic when there were no fans and everything. Now there's fans, but what adjustments are you making now? Because your your power numbers are really good. You're among the leaders in home runs, and 
uh, you're able to produce effectively and consistently. So what adjustments have you made to, to, to be able to be consistent? Uh, I think first of all to talk about like the power, like I gained weight a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I got like, when I was playing the billy, I got like over like 15, 20 more pounds. So I can't, I can't be that fast in the field. But, you know, I'm just feeling the power and feeling like I can't heal the ball. I got to grab a little more. And then after, like, my, I make a couple adjustments during the offseason, like how to lift the ball, how to hit the ball in there a little more. Mm. So, like, a couple details, like going, like, my hands straight to the baseball, stay behind the baseball. Little things yeah, change the game. You know, trying to be consistent with it. Uh, what about the mental part? What about the, the adjustments yeah, those, you made, the knowledge you gained? Yeah. Like I say, it's, it's, it's a lot different between here and Billy. So if you come in here with the same, <laughs> the same mentality, you, you're going to have a problem. you got to adjust. Like, as soon as you adjust, it's going to be, you're going to make, you're going to have, like, you're going to make the job you in here. Easy, it's gonna be a little easier for you. So, especially for me, the strike zone dealing with the umpire's strike zone is hard. <laughs> little things like that make like a huge, huge, like make a huge impact for me. Because it was hard for me in the beginning, like especially like not even like feel like talk to them. And the pitch, the time with the pitch too. Like sometimes you see a guy like different why not right? mm. and next guy you wanna face the next guy like a funky uh why not and it's it's a little weird man. It's that's like for me as a hitter like the most difficult part to get adjust to it. Okay. Now what are some of the general challenges or hurdles that you have in playing in Japan generally? Every year. <laughs> for me man like to myself because like I've been playing baseball for a long time and I um, I know what I can do and I trust my I trust myself and then but it's like foreign player like as soon as you hear you get you gotta get the job done you gotta get it done so we don't we don't have that so much opportunity to like deal with the struggle you know mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta get it though, man. No matter what, they they, they wanna see results, and we. And that, that's it. That is like, that is like, <laughs> that is no but. <laughs> There's no gotta, but. Yeah, you gotta do it. You know, at the same time, it's a, it's a little, it's, it's a little hard for us. You know, sometimes, like I say, it's 140 games, a lot of up and downs, and they they need to understand that too, but. Uh, here is a little different US. I appreciate your time today. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. No, no, no problem. Anytime. And, well, I don't know about anytime because we, we can only do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we can only do it like this uh, until we can get out to the field. But hopefully, I'm hoping at least maybe next season, by, by next season, we can get out yeah, there. I hope so, man. I hope so. All right, man. Stay strong. Appreciate it. No way, man. Thank N you very much. Nice meeting you. Thank you. 
All right, Jim. So other than Leonis is not wanting to discuss the playoffs because it's far too early, uh, what stayed with you after you heard this? Well, first of all, he didn't score on a sacrifice fly. Oh, really? Yes, he scored on a fly out to second base. Well, they, they called it a sacrifice fly on the video that I saw. Oh, well, that was uh, it was not scored that way. And I don't know when it happened, but when I started uh, collecting data mm-hmm. on games, we did. I re- I do definitely remember seeing a couple of sacrifice flies to second base, but uh, one was a foul ball and one was something else. But at some point in the last ten years or so, they decided that they're not going to automatically credit the batter with a sacrifice fly if it's caught by an infielder. Oh, okay. So basically, I think they decide, well, if it's hit deep enough or, if you know, whatever. I don't know what the criteria is. I don't know if they've decided that no sacrifice flies will be hit to infielders, which, you know, leaves into question what happens if, you know, it's the fighters and their third baseman is playing in shallow right field as he does sometimes against left, uh, left-handed hitters. You know, what, what to do then? But anyway, moving along uh, to just to move along. Uh, I love the interview. I thought it was so much fun. He's just such a, a joyful person. Mm-hmm. And I kind of expected that. And uh, I was I was quite uh, interested to hear. I love the question about the timing. Because he, he's just going, oh, man, you are so right. And, and I, I think that is such a huge issue. I think that is really getting the timing and, and his description of the pitchers, the funky deliveries and all this and all that. And you really have to work overtime to get into mm-hmm. it. And I thought that was great. And the other thing was, uh, you know, his adjustments, his adaptation and changing his game a little bit this year, mm-hmm. which was getting bigger and stronger and learning to uppercut the ball a little more. Yeah. Uppercutting. I, you know, I, <laughs> I just think, I I don't know, I was looking at his swing, I was trying to look at some old video from last year, but I was too busy, I I kept just finding uh, random videos of him (laughs) everywhere, but not even last year, I was looking for 2019, so I don't know, and I I couldn't break down the swing if if someone paid me, but I just know that his swing looks like it just fits in Japan. I remember Tyrone Woods telling me a long time ago that uh, player A, who shall remain unnamed, will not have success in Japan because his swing doesn't fit. And I asked him about swing path. I asked Tyrone at that time about swing path and all that. And he said, well, his swing isn't flat enough. He's got too much, he's got too much of an uppercut in his swing and it it just wasn't going to play well here. And in fact, that player was gone after a couple months and blah, blah, blah. But it just seems like Leona's swing just plays really well here. And then, he just does not have trouble seeing the ball off of anybody. (laughs) It just Mm. appears that way. I don't know. I don't know that that's the case. There might be some pitchers out there who give him trouble, but it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Well, he has that, he has a a similar, you know, when, when you see him make contact on some pitches, he has that same kind of violent, uh, you know, with the, with the elevate, you know, the, the uppercut as uh, Corey Spangenberg has, Mm -hmm. And uh, also Teraki Sato has. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, uh, I I think it's not, uh, he's not uppercutting every pitch, 
but he's looking for specific, you know, specific tips, but he certainly developed that skill to, to hit balls really, really hard and far with authority. Yeah. Yeah. So like the one he hit uh, the other day off the facing of the upper deck. Yeah. Not seen that (laughs) off the facade at upper deck. It she, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've some, they said somebody did it, and I forgot who. I would. My and guess would be Val Pascucci. Uh, I don't recall that. I, I don't think it was him or Julio Zaleta. Do, somebody, somebody's big and strong like that. But Zaleta I do right know name. that I do know that uh, Lee Sung Yup hit two over over the over the top or right onto the top of the stadium there. Okay, I remember one of those. Yeah, in two thousand four. All right. Um, for me, I guess, you know, sometimes I fear that you're going to pick up the same points as I do. And other times I'm mm-hmm. very confident that uh, you're not going to come close to anything that that, I, I, you know, whatever I'm looking at or listening to in the interviews is not going to penetrate the Jim Allen skull. And can't touch this. <laughs> whatever. Um, but I, I, I know this one. I, I'm safe on this one. And I love him breaking down the difference between SoftBank and Lotte. And he just didn't mm-hmm. do what a lot of guys do and point to, you know, well, they just have more experience. He broke it down. And I thought, you know, when he talked about aspects like, look, we don't have guys who are going to have that veteran poise and experience like SoftBank. Mm-hmm. Now, we might have the talent. He, you know, he, he didn't talk about talent at all, right? He just said experience and poise. And I know I, I knew that this wasn't going to penetrate the Allen Skull because it's stuff you can't quantify. And so... No, I was thinking about that, too, because I think about Lotte that way. Mm-hmm. It, and I think about SoftBank. That's all I heard that, but actually it was not... You know, it was one of the things, but I don't want to mention everything. Well, okay, all right, but, all right. Yeah. But I did. No, we don't have time to it. mention everything. You are correct. But you, so you, yeah, so I, I thought about it, and then when I thought about it, I saw I sat around thinking, yeah, the Hawks in a tight game might be able to send up guys like Yuya Hasegawa or Keizo Kawashima and Kenji Akashi, and and the Marines are going to have to end up with the experienced guy. They they have is Takashi Toritani, but after that, it's young and unproven players who just don't really have that experience to know what it feels like to go through a playoff situation and take a big at bat against a really tough, you know, pitcher out of the bullpen or, or otherwise. So, um, and on the mound, the same thing is true. Uh, they they have some guys, but they just don't have a lot of guys who have been through the, the battles in the playoffs. But I think the thing that I would say to Leonis and the other players, especially since I picked this team to, uh, to win the Pacific league is that by the end of the season, I think a lot of those players will have been proven. And I think because of last season, when by going through the pennant race and, and finishing close to the top, I mean, they did drop out, even though they had the, the coronavirus cluster that cost them some quality players and had some young guys come up and and play well. I think those are the guys we might see at the end of the season who are going to have to come up if somebody's injured uh, and, and do the same thing again and might get, might get some play in, in the postseason as well as some of the guys on the bench. So uh, I, I would say that they'll be seasoned by the end of the season, but I don't know. Nobody can match the the playoff experience and poise of the Hawks. So that's that just goes without saying. But maybe you can produce when the, when the moment calls for it at that time. But you're not going to match them. There's, there's no team with that kind of experience out there. Obviously. No, they don't have the depth. And I, I think in, in my my thinking about it, it's more a case of 
I I don't remember. Uh, do you remember who it was we had on the podcast who explained the the postseason experience? As in, you know that regardless of what a lousy game you have, there's always you know the sun's going to come up tomorrow and your family's still going to love you. Um, do you remember who said everybody? Remember who said I, that? I suppose Coco Valentine comes to mind, but no, it wasn't him. It was I want to say I don't remember who it was. Was it this year? It basically year? said, oh, it was about three years ago. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, but the, you know the 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 longer you've been in the game, the more you realize that the huge ups and downs, you know, the things that are look awfully fearful to new players or potentially fearful are, you know, they're feel they're fearful for everybody, but young guys lack the perspective to know that, you know, when they fail and they will fail, mm-hmm. that the world's still going to be okay. You know, so they they can, the people who've been through it can sort of take that extra pressure, can, you know, look at that extra pressure and perspective. Okay, it sounds like a Bobby Valentine kind of a comment, but yeah. Well, that's, that's, I think, where the Hawks are. You know, they've been through the ups and downs and they've they've been through the top and the the Marines guys have been less, you know, less at the top, less expected of them. So it's going to be a learning process for them. But at some point, for every different player, it's going to be, they're going to figure it out that, oh, okay. Uh, if I mess up, it's not the end of the world. So do my best and we'll see what happens. Right. And I always say this uh, in other sports, but in particularly um, these sports that you, when you have a playoff situation, uh, nobody thinks really that you can do it until you do it. Everybody's going to go with the... That's especially true in Japan. I yeah, think. everyone's going to go with the standing or the, the reigning champion and say oh, the unproven guys cannot do it. They're, they're not capable. Yes, yes. And then once you do it, they then they say, well, you know, these guys are proven now. And so they've graduated to the next level or whatever it is. Yeah, even when yeah, even when there's virtually no difference. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, that was short and sweet. Thank you very much, Leonis. We really appreciated mm-hmm. talking Thank to you. you, and that was an excellent chat. We we look forward to talking to you again anytime. As he said, of course, uh, with the with all the PR guys sitting in the room there, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're thinking anytime is like anytime. Maybe after a year. <laughs> anytime we say it's okay is what they're thinking. Exactly. Yeah, which is, yeah. <laughs> which no. is question which mark. Is, a big question mark. Let's is, just say it like that. But we, they helped us out. Thank you very much, guys, everybody. All right, making a four-seam transition. It's time for Mini Tracks, our monthly power ranking segment. And this really shouldn't take too long at all because there really wasn't a lot going on this month uh, in May most of the teams were right there in the middle. As I do with the uh, players of the month, I thought, okay, what teams pop into my head first? And then I look to see the numbers and see if they match up. And what happened in my head was it just seemed like there were no teams that really, really stood out from any of the other ones. Either way, hot or cold. But I did notice that the Hawks were winning a bunch of games, and I knew that the Tigers had played fairly well. And I mm-hmm. knew that the carpet struggled, and then uh, there was a, a cluster of, of uh, a Coronas cluster breakout with that team, and it had to ship out a bunch of veteran guys and bring up some young guys who played. Yeah, they're holding their own. They're doing a, a fine job, in my opinion. I, I don't think they can blame a lot of the. I mean, 
<laughs> it's hard to say. You know, you 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 lose your starting shortstop and second baseman and all star outfielder. You can't say that it's not impacting the team. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I th- I think the team is competing well with all all things said. So my top three are the Hawks who had 11 wins, the Eagles, who had 11 wins, and the Tigers, who had 11 wins. But that's really not standout kind of, you know, numbers. We're more usually talking about teams with 15, 14, 15, 16 wins sometimes. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a weird month because, of, well, it's, it was weird compared to April. Because April, we had, we had the Fighters and the Bay Stars who... I can Basically, still smell them. Yeah, what they were. What they were well, what they were you know, cooking. if you handed <laughs> if you if you handed them a dusty rug, you know, you wouldn't know who who wish whether the team or the rug would get beat. <laughs> That's true. So you know, you just you just had to cross your fingers. So uh, those teams played competitive baseball in may which they didn't really do in april that's correct and so the the whole you know so the whole uh equilibrium changed a little bit so i i think you i i'm i'm certainly in agreement i felt i felt the eagles were probably a step behind the hawks and the tigers i thought the hawks were a step behind the tigers as well i loved so much about the tigers um this year yes that I could go on and on, but I won't. Okay, well, for once, for once, <laughs> it's it really is a fun team, and I, I've said it already before. Uh, for all the Tigers fans out there, I, I hope they get it done, even if it makes me uh, eat my prediction words. But oh, really? That's interesting. Okay, no, I, I said that before. I really would like to see the Tigers win. It was two thousand five. That's when I started at the the English version of the Yomiuri Shimbun, and. They won that oh year and gosh. went to, to to the Japan series, and I was down there watching them get swept, and it was not fun. I've gained a lot of pounds since then. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Can't get rid of some of them. Anyway, your bottom four. Uh, I'm sorry, your bottom three. I don't, bo- I don't have a. I don't have a bottom. A bottom three. I guess my my bottom my bottom team would be the fighters still. Huh. And why is that? I mean, they did win eight games. They played twenty-one. They yeah, won eight. Well, so you said the-, the swallows. The swallows played okay. I guess the base stars as well. You know, I, I don't really have a. I don't have an, a standout really bad team for me. Yeah, I mean, the carp only got fifteen games in because of that cluster and had had series cancel and all that stuff. But they only won four yeah. games. They, you know, they tied four games, which is another I guess. thing, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess the carp. Yeah, I'll, I'll be. I am swayed by your, uh, your fish logic. Okay. <laughs> and you, you know how I feel about fish. <laughs> I do. Yeah, and I'm allergic to most of it. But anyway, uh, most fish. But uh, yeah. Well, um, I, I, I just think the whole situation that's going on in both leagues it just shows how competitive, how really competitive the Pacific League is this season as I, uh, I mean, even with the fighters having these bad uh, showings early on, I still think they have a good team and that they're going to have a large impact on who wins the Pacific league because there's just no gimmies each night. I, I think you can say that in both leagues. I mean, even with the dragons, you look at the dragons, they've got the top ERA. They've allowed the fewest runs and they've walked the fewest batters uh, in MPB. So, 
if you got that going for you on the mound, you're going to be competitive nightly. You know, there are going to be some blow up games, of course, but you're going to be competitive nightly. And they are. They just, if they, you know, a guy can get hot, they might be able to get on a. I mean, it would only take one player, it seemed, to get hot, really hot, and have one of those uh, top performer of the month type months. And that would that would propel them to a winning record in a month, I think. But uh, if they continue to, I, I just can't see their pitching holding up like that. But anyway, the the point being, I, I think there's no gimmies out there uh, each night. So I, I, I like what's happening in in, in PB. Yeah, I'm with. And you. that's why I said, you know, you said the interleague so exciting. I'm like every every start of every week is exciting. Well, and you said it in a different um, way. Uh, <laughs> I did, and I'll tell you why I I think so is because I, I noticed. You know, listening to the first, especially the first three days of interleague, mm-hmm. when they were playing in the Central League parks, more of the announcers. It's not so much the analysts because the analysts do all kind. Well, except the NTV guys who mostly do the Giants, but most of the analysts do all different teams. But the announcers, basically, if you're a you know if you're a guy who announces Giants games, you don't announce Carp games because you're you know, you're working out of Tokyo, Tokyo Dome, basically. Right. And what I heard was from the announcers, you know, the the non-former players, was a little, the tone was different. The tone was different. It's like, man, we got to be good to beat the Pacific League now. <laughs> that that tone has changed. It used to be, oh, we're here in Interleague and let's, you know, we didn't do good last year, but we're, you know, that was about it. That was about now it. It's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, no, but that was that was the attitude. Like, uh, as I said before, the attitude used to be, oh, something for there's a reason why the Pacific League is better in interleague. And now it's more like, why is the Pacific League better than why is it better just in interleague? So the, the dynamic of that conversation changed, I think, in the first th- uh, three days when the games were at the central league parks, I don't think you notice it much in the Pacific league parks because they're used to Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, and and I asked you a question this week about ties because, Mm -hmm. uh, this number of ties, it looks like it's going to be astronomical this year. Oh yeah. We're on a, uh, on a really (laughs) hot pace here. So I, yeah, I added them up and I've got 82 total. So that means 41 ties. And I sent you a question about who had, uh, when what year had the most combined ties in MPV? And you came back with the answer, uh, several answers actually. I don't even remember. I guess you said it was finally settled on 2012. There were 74 ties combined in both leagues. Correct. And uh, so we're already more than halfway there. <laughs> right. So we'll pa- we'll pass that by probably 30 percent or so. Now it gets an asterisk because we're cutting off the games at, at nine innings. So oh sure. Uh, it does definitely has to get an asterisk. But, you know, sometimes it's weird. I see some nights it seems like managers are managing and they're thinking, okay, well, we only have nine innings, so I'm going to use this guy, this guy, and this guy, and this guy's a pinch hitter, this guy's a, uh, to come in and pitch. And if he only needs to get a couple outs, we'll do that. And then other nights I see them leaving guys out there. So I, I don't know. It just seems like kind of mixed and – Obviously, we don't know the situations in team, who's healthy, who has pitched too much, who hasn't uh, gotten enough innings and all that stuff. But uh, I think we're going to see after the All-Star break or even before the All-Star break or after the Olympic break, 
guys or managers really focusing in and lasering in on trying to get these games, whether they are just trying to tie or trying to win. But mm. yeah, I've seen mixed mixed uh, approaches. Let's put it that way with some of the managers. Yeah, I, I think Tatsunori Hara, the Giants, has been probably the most aggressive. Mm, yes, because not, not using every night. five. Yeah. No, but using five relievers. You know, to get the last six out. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, using three, yeah, I mean, he's at least uh, three times in the past week he's used three relievers in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. So he's not, you know, and I think this is what's happened. Uh, I did look to see when, well, before John mentioned this question, that, you know, how many nine, not tie games, but how many, Extra inning games were there last year. Mm. How many extra? How many games are tied after nine innings, typically? And the answer is, it varies from year to year, but it's typically eight to ten percent. Can you give us a a, a game figure? <laughs> uh, no, because the seasons are all different lengths. But yeah, but somewhere between ten but, and but, twelve. But let's say okay. But this year we're looking at about fifteen percent. Oh, okay. But so yeah, the, what that, even with the what that tells me is even with the different lengths, lengths, we could say safely somewhere between ten and twelve games per team would be extra innings somewhere in that area. I don't know, but let's. I'm just saying that basically between having an extra player on your roster mm-hmm. and having more starting pitchers who are inactive, because they've added instead of twenty five, you can have twenty six guys suited up, right? For the game, and then instead of twenty-eight, instead of uh, three guys on the active roster who are not able to play, mm-hmm. it's now five. Right. So potentially, all your starting pitchers who aren't playing are not in the clubhouse, not on the bench. Right. Correct. Your five non-starting pitchers are out of the way, which means more relievers. So teams. There's no pro- if you've got play, of course and if you've got the players and, and th- that's like, a COVID related rule for right these are COVID related right. rules since last year right. so if you've got the personnel then yeah he- heck yeah I'm going to start bringing in my good relievers from the sixth inning well I, I I didn't even think about good relievers I just thought they were just trying to play matchups in some instances go lefty righty or. Uh, you know, instead of go lefty yeah, righty but or righty righty, yeah, you don't have to save. You don't have to save your third best reliever in case you go to the tenth inning because there won't be a tenth inning, right? And you know, so and I think that that is in, that's leading to more tied games because there's going to be less scoring. Yes, yes, yes. All right, uh, making a two seam transition. Let's talk about interleague uh, and. You know, two days in the interleague, uh, minus the Lions, because the Lions also were hit with a cluster, a coronavirus cluster, and had a yeah. bunch of guys deactivated. Yeah, they suited up. You see, they suited up eighteen players on Thursday. <laughs> I did not. I I remember tweeting uh, something about it. And I was gonna. I was going to bother Zach Neal and say, hey, Zach Neal, because he was one of the persons, I don't think he tested right. positive, but I think he had close contact. And uh, I just figured he was in quarantine hell again, and I didn't even bother him. <laughs> I'm like, I will leave this poor man alone. He's probably 
uh, alone with his thoughts and punching walls anyway. So why give him another reason to get frustrated? But uh, yeah, the Lions hit. Uh, it was Soska Genda who uh, actually tested positive, had a fever, and man, but uh, you know the, the Lions again, another team competing really hard. They lost the series against the Tigers at home, but really good games, really fun games, and they competed really well. So anyway, uh, after one day of interleague, I'm sorry, after two days of interleague play, minus the Lions and Carp, I think, uh, who had missed the game. Uh, the Carp also missed the game, but um, seven and three was the record. I, I'm not counting the ties, but seven and three, the, the Central League was ahead. And I'm like, oh, well, isn't this nice? And like you said before, it seems like everyone's rooting. I mean, the attitude had changed a little bit in terms of uh, the the Pacific League and being better and all that stuff. But it seemed like everybody's just rooting for the gutty little Central League to win games and don't get beaten up. Don't get your brains bashed in again this season. And it seemed like people on the news and, you know, I, I watch ProHockey News, but I watch some other uh, places as well. Uh, I, I watch NHK a lot. In fact, tonight um, and every Sunday, I think it's Saturday or Sunday that uh, Koji Uehara is on doing commentary and he talks about what he's seeing in MPB. So it's really fun to watch all the newscasts and everybody seems to be pushing for this gutty little central league to do well. It's so cute. Well, it's not surprising either because I think about 60% of the analysts probably come out of the central league. Mm. It's because they're more, you know, visible. Uh, now by the first, can we talk about the first week wrap up or? Because you only mentioned the first three yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. It's 17 and 14 through uh, Sunday. Now the Central League has a, a modest lead after splitting today. Yep. And this is – and and I'll, I'll repeat what I wrote on today's blog, which is this is the kind of lead you would expect the Central League to have, which is they've won more games, but they've done so while being – Outscored. <laughs> why? Now, why are you going to bring up old stuff? <laughs> well, because as you know, that's in, in the past. Two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Well, in uh, in two thousand twelve, I think it was the Central League actually won interleague, and of course was outscored. <laughs> they barely uh, won fact, interleague, right? Was it what? Are two games? Maybe one game? By three games. Three, three okay, games, yeah. right? And. Well, I think the PL has had one year where they only won by one game. But the uh, Central League has never led in runs scored. What do you mean by never? (laughs) Never, as in 15 years of interleague, every year the Pacific League teams have outscored the Central League. Look, Jim Allen, I need you to be specific here. Stop beating around the bush. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know what – okay. Well, anyway, so – just looking at the score, the current, you know, scores, it's right about where it normally is. So if you took those scores and you, you know, you jumbled them up and spit out random scores, it would be perfectly reasonable to have. I don't mean to be to be bashing on the central. Sure you thing, do. But, but this is about what you'd expect to see about about one time in five through 10 games from one team being weaker that they actually lead. Right. It's it's the big sumo wrestler against the undersized sumo wrestler, and you're just, just trying to much. see if the guy can hang around and compete a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. They're, they're the gutsy little Central League right now, but, you know, good for them. 
good for them. I'm, you know, I'm happy for their fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it, uh, and I, someone else tweeted out the standings in interleague yesterday, and my go dragons. My first response to, to see the dragons uh, yesterday it was Saturday had the dragons and the base stars at the very top, and I'm like, that just looks weird. That I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not a what's wrong with this picture kind of a thing. It's like, mm-hmm. why is the world upside down kind of a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I did, a, I did a thing last weekend. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm so busy. But I, I did a, in, if you look on my blog, you'll see a whole interleague uh, preview in which I talked about historic interleague stuff mm. and teams, you know, doing well or badly in interleague. So you can look it up. Yeah. And I think we didn't mention in the preview, I, I, I can't even remember now in the, in the, uh, uh, the preview that we did last week, we didn't mention that SoftBank has dominated interleague play as well. Winning. What was it? Seven times, eight times. I can't even remember. Did you do that in your preview? No, I don't think so. I, okay, I didn't I, want to rub it. Yeah. In. I want to, I'll look it up as we talk here, but we did have we did have I guess probably the the big result of interleague so far was that uh, the Giants finally beat the Hawks. Yes, yes. And and what you know, there's something that kills me about this because a colleague of mine asked me about this a story that was out in English that said the Giants had lost eleven straight to the Hawks, mm-hmm. but the Japanese media keeps saying fourteen. Because they're counting <laughs> preseason, pre-season games. games, baby. <laughs> it's like it's like this is what they did. If you remember, does the does anybody remember Kotaro Kiyomiya? Remember that well, guy? I do, but <laughs> I'm sure okay. a lot of other people do well, as well. Yeah, right, right. Well, the guy who was the uh, fighters prospect and potentially will be again <laughs> had a had a record. He had a re- he set a record for home runs hit as a high school player, except the record included practice games. Hello, hi, mom. <laughs> it's practice, baby. Come on, we're talking baby. about I'm practice. Great. Yeah. No, but it's like they included it in the record, like home runs he hit with national team practice games. I'm going like what's a record if it's a practice game i and i actually looked to see if the uh, the minor leagues the eastern leagues giants and the western league hawks had played they do sometimes play interleague games mm-hmm. in the minor league interleague games and i looked to see if they had played any interleague games but they hadn't so we couldn't extend the record by saying how many games the hawks beat the giants minor leaguers oh. <laughs> but that's about where that's about where it was so uh, that was just a just a really dumb thing, but for some reason the, the Japanese media just ate that up. Yeah, I, it's like mixing practice, mixing preseason games with Japan series games. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean, they, I guess they have a record of it, so they figured they sure. have to put it in. Look, look at the way they vote for MVP. I mean, are you surprised? Well, I guess what they, <laughs> I guess probably that they thought that considering the way the Giants used their starting pitchers in the last Japan series, there wasn't a lot of difference between that and the preseason. Yikes! Hashtag high <laughs> heat. All right. Sorry, Giants fans. All right. All right, so uh, I'm looking it up here now. The Hawks have won uh, eight times 
since 2005 minus the 2020 season in which we had no interleague play. So they've dominated that as well. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for playing. We have some lovely party gifts for you. At the, at the day. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it, it's nice. I mean, the Dragons even escaped that, that opening three-game set against the Hawks and didn't lose a game. They, they, they had two yep. wins and a tie and sent the Hawks. You know, I think it was big news. Everybody said, oh, the Hawks haven't – they're losing consecutive games to start – Interleague play for well, the first did, time in eight years. Well, the, the Dragons did what the Dragons have done this year. They've just, you know, they've just had some days where their pitching has been lights out. Most days, yeah. I mean, they haven't blown up a bunch of games. It, it's really amazing. Like, yeah. and that's what I keep saying. I, I don't think it'll last, but uh, even when uh, Udai Ono didn't pitch well, they, 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 this was on Friday up in uh, Hokkaido in Sapporo at the Dome against the Fighters. They, they managed to score more than they usually score. They lost, but, you know, I, I actually felt good about it. I thought, well, if they're going to be able to score runs, you know, this is going to be different, you know, and, and it was. They they held the uh, fighters to minimum runs and, and won the next two games. But anyway, um, I love the interleague. I just like watching the different matchups. So I, I actually mm-hmm. do uh, like this, that, that Lions-Tigers matchup in, in Tokorozawa. Oh, great just stuff. a great series. You had you had the guy, I think I'm going to call him younger brother. <laughs> not little brother, because there's call... nothing little about him, but younger brother no. for Teruaki Sato, the rookie slugger. Uh, I haven't I haven't been keeping up with Isao Harimoto, who said he probably couldn't hit in, he needed to make serious adjustments. He, uh, <laughs> Isao Harimoto had a Jeff Passon moment. With, well, I mean, still, I mean, basically, on so on Saturday, Teraki saw to hit three home runs. Oh, yeah. the first Central League r- rookie to hit three home runs since Shigo Nagashima in 1958. Well, and, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But, yeah, go right. ahead. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. And, but it was the perfect microcosm of his season. He hit three home runs and he struck out twice. And then he... Didn't do much today either. I yeah, yeah right. hit and run right. run batted in at least one, but uh. sure. But that's you know he's been he's been kind of a boomer bust. So if you're one of the old guys who says baseball isn't about hitting home runs, then he's not doing anything. So I guess maybe Harimoto could still argue that he was right and that he has been a bust. <laughs> He's going to have a bust <laughs> in the Hall of Fame if he keeps this foolishness <laughs> wow. up. Yeah. Well, they're plaques, actually. I know, yeah. I know. Okay. I, I actually, I knew, as soon as I said that, I knew you were coming with the correction. <laughs> the plaques, okay. I knew you yeah, okay, you're going to plaques me upside the head. <laughs> no. okay. But, uh, yeah, he, I'm going to call him, you know, because to, uh, in honor of uh, Tomoaki Kanemoto, his brother. big brother. I'm going to call him younger brother, but not little brother because not much little about him. No. Yeah. And so uh, great series up there. Uh, Great. It was actually fun watching the the Giants and the Hawks because you just, I think we, (laughs) I got to be honest. I don't know how many Giants fans listen to the show and I don't, I haven't met too many Giants fans. I know they're out there. I'm talking about in the foreign community, but Mm -hmm. I think they became a sympathetic figure. And that people were like, well, you know, win a game, you know, <laughs> win a game, guys. You are the marquee team 
the banner team of MPB win a game, huh? <laughs> so it wasn't. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if that's I'm sympathy or, or or some kind of. Well, I'm a huge fan of of Wada, so I wasn't too too <laughs> pleased to see that one play out. But uh, but you know. You, you throw the you 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 lack command the way he did. Well, you know you get you get it. That's the way the world works. Okay, or or, or doesn't sometimes, but oh well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, time for our segment called "As the Pitch Turns," and that's featuring Masahiro Tanaka and his weekly start. And on Saturday, no decision again. That's two in a row. Uh, but I and I didn't. Jim and I were talking before we went uh, went on mic here, but. I didn't see much of the game. I had it on. I was at the office and I was working and I would look, I think, I think I saw 10 pitches, maybe, maybe a few more. I don't know. And I tried to, you know, I tried to put it on the player and back it up, but it was on TV as well. So I don't know. I didn't see much of it, but eight innings, he allowed a run on a home run, a Tyler Austin home run, five hits. He didn't walk anybody, but he did hit, hit a batter again. And he comes away with no decision in a one, one tie. And the base stars of all teams, I thought, is this is this Makun domination or is this a situation where it's the base stars having trouble in interleague play again? Couldn't decide because I didn't really get to see that much of the game, and, and you didn't either. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did. I mean, I watched the game, but I wasn't paying attention to the different pitches and saying, you know, like I have been in right. the, through the first you weren't five starts. The oh, no, I was not as I had been. So, but I did notice that basically he was. His approach on Saturday was, I'm going to get strike one, mm-hmm. and we'll take it from there. Okay. And the base stars are, you know, they were keen to put the ball in place. So he got a lot of first, second, third pitch balls in contact. Mm-hmm. And it was much less, I'm going to get you to chase, I'm going to get you to chase. It's... Uh, his, you know, his style is continuing to evolve, but he's got so many tools. He can, you know, he can have one game plan for, you know, 11 different t- opponents. Sure. So I don't think that's a, that's a big deal, but it, it was fun. It was a little different look from him, but I, I, I still get this feeling that Masahiro Tanaka is a, is the pitcher that NPB forgot because he's the kind, he's more like a central league pitcher right now in that in in that he he's he's spending a you know he knows he can throw pitches that are so good especially that slider that he can get people to chase it okay and he's just so keen to get people to chase the slider and the splitter and a less of a splitter because he hasn't been able to throw it very reliably the last few weeks. But, but basically, he looks very much. He'd be very much at home with the Giants right now. The the Pacific League pitchers have evolved since he's been gone into a much more dominate the strike zone league mm-hmm. than the Central League is. It's much less of a it's it's much less of a chase league until you know you get two strikes and. Uh, Tanaka is a little bit more like the way it used to be. Is he's he's a little bit of a time capsule, I guess is the the, the word I'm looking. All right, for. well, I'll I'll try to watch for that more often when I separate my head watching. But I thought that I but yeah. but having having said that, this week was a little bit more of the in your face kind of. I'm going to get strike one, strike two, and then we'll go because he didn't. Uh, he he threw eight innings, which was a high for him. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And he allowed one run, which was on a home run, which was on a fastball that basically had nothing on it and was right, <laughs> right down the pipe. And Tyler Austin hit it, hit it to uh, <laughs> Fukushima Prefecture. <laughs> yeah, he, he, it was, I, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't get to see as many of, uh, you know, his pitches as I would have wanted. He had 95 pitches. Uh, like I said, maybe I saw 10. But he looked good to me whenever I, I saw him. Yeah. Like, he looked yeah. like he was best best I've seen yeah, him. He looked like he was in command and his pitches were doing what he wanted them to do and going where they wanted, and that's all you can ask. After that, you know, he might have given up that home run, but I, I think Yeah. You ask him he might have wanted to put it a little bit in a different location, but he was totally fine with what happened. So um uh, let's move along and go rocking mm-hmm. with Roki and uh, yeah. Roki Sasaki, who was deactivated after his May 15, uh, May 16 start. So he came back 11 days later. And, you know, for me, he tossed a mediocre five innings on Thursday against Han Sheen, uh, but he ends up getting his first win in MPV because of some timely offense. And so they won 6-4. The, the Marines beat the Tigers at Koshien, where his high school team just wasn't good enough just wasn't good enough to get there for the national tournament. He got him close, couldn't get him in. But uh, like I said, the uh, Roki bobbed and weaved, giving up four runs on seven hits, three walks. He had five strikeouts uh, on 94 pitches in just five innings. So he bobbed and weaved and, and made it through five innings. But then the Marines got some well-timed runs. They scored two in the sixth and went up just at the right moment. And then the bullpen just really locked it down for Sasaki's first mm-hmm. win. So I don't know. He was happy. I was glad that he won, but I, I was not impressed again. Well, I, I think he's, you know, I, I thought there was a little growth. I thought uh, he looked more comfortable with his secondary pitches. Mm-hmm. I think he got used to, you know, pitching with runners on base. He didn't pitch particularly. I mean, he allowed three runs, I guess, and uh, wasn't all that impressive, but you know, it's it's a learning process, uh, and I'll have to say, uh, the one thing I would like to say about it is when they asked him in the here, you know, they ask uh, the the pitchers who win their first game. Oh yes, when they when they get the winning the ball, ball. Yeah. <laughs> right? They, what are you going to do with the ball? And I have a colleague at work who's always going, "Why do they even ask it? Because you can just play the answer on a tape." I'm going to give it to my parents. And, uh, you know, with the dirty Was that Bullwinkle? Yeah. yeah. Nice pitching, Bullwinkle. Could have been. Thanks, Rocky. So anyway, the uh, which is actually, thanks, Rocky, or whatever you want to call him. So anyway, but with Sasaki, it has special meaning, of course, when he says, I'm going to give it to my parents. And apparently his mother didn't stop crying. Because his father died in the tsunami on March eleventh, two thousand eleven. Mm. Yeah, we. So it has, yeah. So that kind of has special meaning, and you know, there wasn't a dry eye. Yeah, yeah. He gave up four runs, not three. I wanted four. Yeah. Okay, thank you. But uh, yeah, I, I. They always ask that question, and I, I think you know, you got to get the first one out of the way. It really doesn't matter how it comes. You got to get that first mm. one out of the way. 
But again, I, I, I think it's just going to be a slow burn for him until we see him like kind of take off. And that's fine, too, because I always talk about how mm. all these guys are different and they're going to develop differently. And I think it just looks like they have him focused on, look, let's try to get movement. Let's try to get control of what you're doing instead of just firing the ball at, at 100 percent every every pitch. Let's let's do it this way. So I think he's making that adjustment and. I'm fine with it. Uh, he's he's still 19. I mean, there's no rush. But but it's kind of fun. You know what's kind of fun is that there's four pitchers who signed out of the first round of out of that 2019 first round mm-hmm. out of high school. Mm-hmm. So there's Roki Sasaki. There's Hiroya Miyagi of the Oryx Buffaloes. Uh, the lefty, right? Mr. Miyagi. The lefty. Wax yeah, yeah. on, wax off, buddy. <laughs> That's right. There's Yasunobu Okugawa of the Yakult Swallows. Starting to come around, right? Yep. Struck out nine guys, I think. Uh, eight or nine guys on uh, Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, Junior Nishi, who finally got a start and won a game uh, with the Hanshin Tigers. Right. Didn't give up so, a hit in five innings, right? <laughs> he did not. He did not. And, yeah. So uh, I like that. And uh, I've already, you know, I've always ran, already ranted about him. So I'll, uh, not about him, but about the Hanshin Tigers. So I'll spare the Tigers fans more abuse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, those guys coming around, that, that it's really exciting for all those guys and for that. Oh, yeah. There, and for us to watch. Yeah, definitely. All right. One note, Norichika Aoki of the Yakult Swallows got hit number 2,500 combined. Uh, in Japan and MLB, and that was on Wednesday at Jingu. So he did it at home. So congrats to him. And you know, I really appreciate him. He has been this consummate pro, uh, a guy who I, you know. I remember we had Zach Ikuma on the show years ago, and he said, "Well, a couple of years ago," and he said, "Okay, yeah, Aoki's coming back, but we know what he's going to do. He's he's going to do this, that, and the other. He's not going to have a high." Uh, OPS, he's just going to get hits. He's not a great defensive player. Blah bitty blue bitty blue bitty blop. Uh, but I mean, I take him. <laughs> I take him right now. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I, I just hope the Swallows fans appreciate him, and I'm sure they do. And when he actually decides to hang it up, whenever that is, because it looks like he can play a, a few more years. Um, you know, three thousand hits, not, not too far fetched. In, in my opinion, I, I could see him getting there if he can stay just a little bit more healthy. And he might have to move to the Pacific League to pinch hit a little bit or to DH a little bit, but which is not going to happen. But I could see I could see three thousand in his future if he's playing it's three more possible. years. Yeah, it's possible. He needs to pick up the. He needs to. He doesn't have to quite go back to his offensive levels of two thousand nineteen and twenty, but he needs to get back a little bit. Definitely, definitely. But uh, as long as he doesn't have to face the Dragons pitching too much this season, because they're pitching really well. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see that. So congratulations to him, and uh, hope he does well as he keeps going. Let's go to fielding questions. All right, so this one comes to us via Twitter from at Puck underscore moving. And he says, do the personalities who appear on ProYaku News and baseball media in general, Tomoya Satozaki, Mitsuru Manaka, Yutaka Takagi, Stomu Imoamoto, Hiromoto, Dave Okubo, etc., do any of them offer any valuable insight on the game, or are they just old heads who are out of touch with the game today? Just wondering. You want to start it, Jim, or you want me to go first? 
Let me go first. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I think I'll, I'll keep it shorter. How's that? Shorter than usual well, or shorter than me? <laughs> probably both today. <laughs> okay. Well, I first of all, I think all the guys have tremendous technical insight. They spend a lot of time talking about baseball and thinking about baseball, and they know it really well. So that that combination of having to explain what they actually know and, and put it into words really helps these guys when they're talking about uh, skills, mm-hmm. like you know uh, how to put the bat on the ball, you know how to how to how to make pitch how to pitch the way you want how to control the game the way you want how to play your game how to field how to base run whatever Mm -hmm. these guys know it so i really appreciate that appreciate that insight when it comes into those parts of the game now some of the guys like to get off on tangents and uh and it's it's not necessarily the older they get that it gets worse (laughs) but uh, some of them do a lot. Um, Yoshiaki Kanemura is probably the guy who I, I probably have the the shortest fuse when he's talking, because <laughs> he's he's the most likely to say, "Yeah, the guy's great. He slides head first a lot. You know, he's 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 there raw rawing for the team or whatever. You know, will to win and all that that nonsense." So. Uh, but basically, that's it. It's the technical stuff, and I will I'll single out the guys who I like the best, and they're all dragons. <laughs> they're all <laughs> former dragons: uh, Motonobu Tanishige, Kazuyoshi Tatsunami, and Kenichi Yazawa. Those guys I love. There's a few other guys I, I love too, but those guys are are the most likely to stick to the plot and stick to the pertinent issue, the pertinent issues of the game and less likely to go off on a tangent period. Okay. Um, I think this, uh, this was a side tweet in response to a curmudgeonous Jim rant in a blog post about the old school mentality. So you got to remember that they do six shows a week in general. And I think Jim might complain publicly, publicly, maybe once every other month or so. Not that much. Maybe about once every three weeks. But I mean, in public, not in public. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I think in reality, you probably complain at home every day. But uh, in public, I think it's not that much. So when you see these takes from Jim, I, I think, you know, they come along and they seem to come rapid fire. But then they're not that that rapid fire. And you think they're doing six shows. A, when you think about them doing six shows a week, that's not that much that Jim is complaining about it. But it just seems that way. So I, I find, you know, I. I got to be honest, I, I, I know that the old school and that old um, mentality, the old timiness of some of the guys' comments are what they are because they're they're just from a different galaxy far, far away, long time ago. So I, I don't I don't it doesn't infuriate me. It doesn't bother me because for every one of those old curmudgeons who are sitting up there, I think uh, Emoto is probably the worst of them all. He, he Nobody can do anything right. And if someone does something right, I mean, when he says Noki Sasaki and is, is really good, I, I really, I, I almost fall off of whatever it is I'm sitting on because mm. he's, he's usually barking and trying to eat the young of the, <laughs> the player. Right, right. So no, I missed him yeah. because yeah, he does get that. He, he is a, he is a complainer. Yeah, nobody right can do anything right almost in his eyes. So, 
But I find all the guys, I mean, even uh, Okubo, I think he and, and Hirokazu Ibata are, are so detailed and so, I don't know, scientific sometimes about w- how they're explaining the baseball. I, I got to be honest, I've been watching the show for 15 years, uh, off and on before that, whenever it was on uh, uh, regular TV, I was watching it in Nagoya for sometimes because I used to love the home run song when they played the home runs. But that, when I lived in Nagoya, I couldn't understand Japanese as much. And now my Japanese level is really high. But sometimes when Okubo's talking, I got no idea what he's talking about. I mean, he's just way over my head with the with the theory of this and that and the other. And he speaks fast. So you really got to understand baseball at a high level to follow him. And then Ibata the same way. I, you know, from, from me watching you rant occasionally on on your blog, it just occurred to me that you don't listen to games on the radio at all, do you? I pretty much never because I'm busy watching them on TV. I'm I'm always watching on TV. Because if you did, you would just walk around and you, you would you would spontaneously combust because these are the same guys. You should hear Kanemura. Kanemura is a lot calmer on Pro Yaku News than he is when he's doing these Oh, I'll bet. When he's games, he's exploding on these guys. And Stomu Iwamoto I, is is up there in the booth, either cheering oh, or on TV. He's no, no radio, I mean, radio. I know no, radio. He's, he's either getting enough, mad at, at, at the at the fighters players. He does a lot of fighters radio. Yeah, he's either getting mad at the fighters fighters players for not uh, executing, or he's oh, or he's I cheering know, like a like a schoolgirl. So okay. I used to listen to radio exclusively mm-hmm. because I was always on the train. Okay. All right. Coming home, you know, I was working in the evenings and coming home on the train. So I'd be listening to the end of the games and on my days off. I'd always listen on the radio. And I absolutely agree. The stuff, the stuff people, the, the TV analysts say things considerably dumber than what they say on Proyaku News. And then when they get on the radio, it's all the, all the, all the breaks are off. Well, I mean, they essentially have almost four hours to fill. If you think about it, they've got sure. pregame, they've got a little bit of postgame, and they've got the game. Huh. And so, I mean, I, I just say that because I, I listen to the radio because I, I, I sort of, I want to say, grew up on it, so to speak. Because when I came to Japan and before, in the before time when they would shut the game off of TV at right. eight fifty-four, you'd have to go to the radio right. to find out what happened. So I. I just got used to listening to the radio and listening to the games that way. And the commentators on Proyaki News, they're all informative. They're all great. They know what they're talking about because they played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I use it to study Japanese because sometimes, they, I mean, a lot of times, even when they come up with a phrase that I can understand all the words, I just never thought of putting the phrasing together that way. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Um, and then I listen, I get new phrasings, I get new things, uh, I, I learn. So I'm not going to sit here and say I understand 100% and some of the nuance. I, I maybe, you know, I, I, in terms of Japanese, I, I feel like I'm really strong in baseball Japanese, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, you, sometimes you think you understand, but then you don't understand. So suffice to say, I, I have some favorite radio commentators as well. Uh, Yoshinori Tateyama, the former fighters pitcher, really good. But another guy who's so high level when he talks about you, you, you understand how he got away with not having great stuff per se, but was a was a mm-hmm. very effective pitcher because he thinks the game and he's thinking it and telling you what you're seeing, what what 
pitchers and batters might be adjusting to, what they might be seeing from each other. He's so good. Uh, Tatsunami, you mentioned him. He's one of my favorites. Uh, Hiroshi Gondo, also on the radio, really good. And Kazuhiro uh-huh. Sasaki, also really good. And so all the Proyaki news guys, I really like them. Maybe Emoto, I could, I could do without him sometimes. But even Kanemura, I, I like them all because they always tell you, well, uh, you know, this guy, he, he might be... They don't always say, say the same thing like opening up too soon or whatever. They give you detail about why a guy didn't get a hit in this particular case or why he did, you know, or tell you why he's, this is a good piece of hitting, why this pitcher is doing well. Um, They're really good. I do do like that part. They're really good. You know, and my one pet peeve, and everybody knows my one pet peeve is if, you know, is the question. Mitsuru Monika loves to ask this question. Okubo loves to ask this question. Is this guy in your mind suitable to bat second? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know that comes out about once a week i don't know there bob you think this this guy who hits home runs he should bat second or not it just doesn't strike me as as being feasible it just 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 gets my you know it gets my goat okay well kind of thing. all right well get your goat and your sheep and get them back in the pen uh we'll be back <laughs> we'll be back next week you got anything coming up tomorrow I do not. Just uh, if you haven't subscribed to jballallen.com, please do so. And uh, I'm going to give away a free month subscription for new paid subscribers today. All right. Monday. All right. And uh, like I said before, go make sure you go to Pacific League TV on YouTube, the English channel. Subscribe, 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 and play those videos. Anyone else who has a question, and we thank Puck underscore moving for the awesome question. Anyone else who has a question, hit us up on Twitter at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heat. Send questions via email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com, where you can go to the Facebook page and leave us a message there. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the interleague ballparks, guys. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.